Welcome back to the program. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord our God, we love you and thank you and praise you. We, Lord, ask that you would gently draw close to us and draw us out into the desert with our name on it. Draw us out into that special place of intimacy that you intend us to experience this Lent. And Lord, as, it, as we do encounter you, may it truly uh, diminish the attachments of the flesh, those places of brokenness and sin and darkness in our lives. And may it also uh, purify and um, uh, anoint and form us, uh, ready us to be more fruitfully used by you on mission. Lord, help us to uh, take a good step today. Help us to have a good Lent today. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, Carrie, um, it's it's great to be with you. I was going to say it was a joy, but it's kind of hard to talk about joy on a first Friday and on a first Friday on the first Friday of Lent. So kind of a double whammy there. Um, how does that sound? Sounds good. <laughs> well, that suits me well because I find the last few days to be very lacking in joy. That's perfect for Lent. I would say what you say. Now, what do you mean by this? Now, what do I mean about this? That's what you say. <laughs> what do you mean by I was, What do you mean about that? that? That's You know what's funny is I was about to say to you. What do you uh, mean by that? Why is that so? <laughs> <laughs> that's another. Um, so Ash Wednesday was my birthday, and it had to have been the most sad, lonely, deserty birthday I've ever had. And that seems odd to say because... I don't know, this time in my life, I figured I could figure out how to have a good birthday. And it really had little to do with anyone else or all my family and my my children. It was more just this emotional, mental state that I was in. And after praying about it and, and going through the pain, suffering, <laughs> I feel like the Lord has shared with me in just a small way, I want to heal things in you. And for me to do that, I need to show you where you are lacking or where you are limited and where there are spaces that only I can touch and change and transform. I know it just sounds really odd, right? <laughs> Terrible birthday, and then it's like the Lord speaks. Um, but the the beautiful thing is I really began to, as I prayed through some of the, the prayer books, see just how I don't appreciate the cross and the suffering of Christ and what he's done on Calvary and what he continues to do unless I'm in a place of pain and unless I'm in a place of desperation because I take it for granted and I don't appreciate all of it or I don't find joy in it or I don't find redemption because I'm like, well, what am I being redeemed from? But when one is in a place of sadness and sorrow and darkness and how do I get out of here? And mentally I just, I, I'm, I surrender because there's no way I can like think my way out or, or work my way out of the space, I find that the Lord's grace and mercy comes there and then it becomes, oh, this is the cross. This is salvation. This is redemption. This is why Christ came. And I don't know, I feel like in our, our world and in our especially in our society, it's easy to get comfortable and not really undergo darkness unless, um, I mean, of course, in relation, there's, there's all different ways in which we go through st- stress, anxiety, and 
need him to come close. But for some odd reason, on my birthday, Ash Wednesday, it was just very painful. And I just am saying, Lord, where are we going with this during Lent as my word is healing? And I mean, I feel like God wants to do something in all of us. And I don't really find the Lord has a desert with your name on it attractive or desirable at all. I'm not one to jump into the fire. Um, So it just, I find the Lord just leading me. So what you just shared very beautifully and like transparently is in, in our Catholic tradition, actually a way that um, it describes the process of healing. Um, The most natural one that I, I think pretty much every every listener who's a devout Catholic gets is that confession is a sacrament of healing. I think a lot of folks know that. Confession is considered a sacrament of healing, a healing of the soul from its spiritual disease. But the essence of the sacrament from the human standpoint is where we get its name, one of its names, which is confession. The other, it, it comes from what God does, which is reconciliation. And so from the human standpoint, it's only by confessing, which is self-accusation, which is coming out into the open with something that we would rather keep hidden. So using that as the entry point, that healing, divine healing, encountering the Lord's healing has something to do with exposing an area of disease, exposing an area that is broken and diseased. And so you were led into a place yesterday and given a very profound birthday gift. I didn't say <laughs> I didn't say it was beautiful. I said it was profound. Oh, I'm right on that Hold way on. to sainthood here. Let me let me say the profound <laughs> gift that you received is the Lord mercifully said I'm going to reveal to you. You're not going to take the initiative of revealing, but I'm going to reveal to you places in your heart, in your life, in your spirit, in your mind that need to be healed, that are wounded, that are open sores, that are diseased, uh, that are, are broken. And you want to be healed? Beautiful. I'm going to reveal them to you. And, and I don't know if you knew this, but in our spiritual tradition, the concept of getting it revealed isn't just the Lord plants the idea in our mind. Like, I need to be healed from my father relationship. No, it's the experience of what that wounding is. And sometimes it's connected to a memory emerging, but it is almost always connected with the existential experience of the wound itself. So the Lord is saying, I'm going to bring you into concrete awareness of the wound that I'm intending to heal. And as you experience it, I'm asking you to allow me to receive you as a wounded one and invite you to entrust yourself to me as one who has these wounds and expect that I can heal what I'm revealing. Thank you. Is that your birthday gift to me? That little free coaching therapy? <laughs> There's a little teaching. Name of the Father and the Son. Of the Holy Was that like a half Since a dig? Since I Was didn't a... get a birthday gift. <laughs> 
No, uh, there's a place where I was, I think it was um, Jason Everett. I'm not sure, or I'm not sure he said this, but it, it refers to the garden. I was afraid and I was naked and I hid myself versus the cross where I was at peace because I knew he loved me. And so I exposed myself. And I think that whole um, Calvary and Christ's suffering and the pain and what he goes through allows us to expose ourselves to him, knowing what he's been through. I, I also think, and I think I've heard this is where you do share truth. You do bring yourself to a, a, a vulnerable space of, I'm really feeling this way, or I want to bring this into the light. It does expose those areas of darkness to light. It does breathe in a fresh um, hope that we don't want to keep hidden or we don't want to be ashamed and afraid and vulnerable in our own misery. And it's like, okay, Lord, not to get like overly emotional <laughs> or share in a you know deeper way. I just know that in the space place of yesterday or my birthday, it was just something that I had not experienced in a long time. And it felt like it wasn't a part of me. Like, this is something that I don't go to. And it was exhausting. So it's something you just want to jump in and say, hey, let's go do Lent and sit here and let God heal us. But I just felt like it was a gift because I was not looking for it and I wasn't asking for it. But the Lord said, this is something I need you to go through. Well, Carrie, that, that's, um, that's a, again, a profound sharing from you. And I believe that the Lord uh, does this in our lives, and this happened to you yesterday. Um, uh, whether it happened in God's perfect will, or the Lord said, I'm going to use the lack of gifts you received on your birthday uh, <laughs> uh, as an opportunity to come in and do a, a, a great work. Can I uh, just give a shout out to Sarah, who sent me an amazing bouquet of flowers, and to my mom, who sent me flowers, and to a couple of my sisters. <laughs> but other than that, <laughs> it's okay, honey. You received a beautiful <laughs> Mardi Gras birthday <laughs> celebration. Well, maybe not as, as full okay, as you wanted. Um, so I would say that um, the, the reality of healing that you talk about shows why so many of us um, don't uh, go down that path. Oh, for sure. Because it's, it's easier to keep the painful places blocked off and locked up. And so there's a, a restriction, a diminishment in our lives that is easier to live with than facing the memories, facing the wounds. I really like um, when you had Sister Miriam Janes on and I was listening to her on another podcast and one of the lines in her book, The Slint, is what's not transformed is transmitted. And it's those places where we are hurt or wounded or just where we are in the flesh, where we just are the way we are. And I don't necessarily have had to have been wounded. I just might have a selfish, self-centered place where I'm, I'm frustrated with my own lack. And I know that it, I'm not perfect. I won't be there till heaven. And it's this grieving sadness of why can't I be more for you or my kids or my community or uh, whomever. And so if those areas aren't transformed, then those areas are also places of pain where I can transmit those wounds and pass on to my kids and to you, this, those closest to me. Um, 
We talked just, about that. Uh, um, oh, did you with sister? Yeah, if you listen to my radio program rather than the <laughs> podcast, you just there's a little wound happening here right now. So, uh, but uh, I I made a couple of points uh, when she brought up that I don't know if she had said it in, in a slightly different way yesterday, and I, I brought up that quote to her. Okay. Uh, that here, just as this is even just a new additional insight. It's not only what is not transformed is transmitted. It's what is transformed is transmitted. Oh, I like that because it's a beautiful side of the coin. It's communion and mission. The the union that you have is going to radiate out or the brokenness you have is going to radiate out. so good. And so you have no choice but to transmit. The question is, what are you transmitting? I was in Winco the other day, yesterday, and buying all those really awesome vegetables and fruits for kids' new Lenten healthy eating. And there's this very broken family you could just tell by their dress and appearance and they had a couple of toddlers and they're arguing fighting and he just gives out the loudest um blasphemy right there and i was just shocked i, I didn't even like i was even afraid to say something because he seemed like he's gonna smack me or anybody around him but there was they were transmitting such darkness and confusion and chaos it was so heart it was just gut-wrenching watching it it was like a train wreck. Um, but he just, I was like, oh my goodness, I've never heard somebody take the Lord's name in vain that loud, that aggressively. In public. In public. I, it was shocking. And not that I don't hear this or, you know, not typically, but it's not that I'm naive or innocent or whatever, but I've just never, I've heard swear words, but not the Lord's name, not like that. It was really shocking. And anyhow, just to say... <laughs> transmitted everywhere in that little grocery section. Well, the other thing that I had shared yesterday was a book that was so helpful to me it, when I'm talking about the interview with Sister Miriam James Hydland. You can find it on the Dr. Tom podcast if you go to applepodcast.com and just look at Dr. Tom podcast or go to mycatholicfaith.org. And so I said to her, has she ever read the book um, Spirituality and the Gentle Life? Remember I've mentioned that book to you? I don't know if I actually got I it again. Spirituality no. and the Gentle Life. I don't remember. It's by Adrian von Kamm. And one of the points in there, I don't remember the whole book. I don't, you know, I'm not saying I'm recommending it now, but back when I read it, I was in my just, it was in um, my first two years of seminary. It had a profound effect on me because the point was that sarcasm is rooted in self-hatred. And I'm like, what? Sarcasm is rooted in self-hatred. I was so quick-witted in a sarcastic way, and I was hurtful to others. And his point in this book was, when you learn to be gentle with yourself, you will learn to be celebratory of others. You will be affirming of others when you allow affirmation of yourself to happen. But if you've been spoken to in a wounding way, then you won't be able to quickly be able to celebrate and affirm others. And it's the Lord who's going to be able to speak to you in gentle ways that affirms you and will wash over, diminish, and sever connection to self-hatred within. All right, we're up against a break. Back in a minute with more Sound Insight. Welcome back to Sound Insight. It is great to be here with you today and my wife, Carrie, on this Faith and Family in Lent, our journey in Lent. Carrie, it's our first Friday in Lent. We're recording this on Thursday, but it's you're hearing it on Friday. And Carrie, one of the disciplines of Lent is prayer, prayer, fasting, almsgiving. And we're going to dig into a couple of stories connected to prayer and fasting in particular uh, as we share a little bit more about things we've done with our families and things that you've been reading and things that have been touching me 
uh, along this path. And I'm going to let you go first because I know that uh, you were mentioning to me a couple of prayers. And one of the big things that's going to be seen as you discuss or read these two prayers or how many you have is that a prayer to the Lord actually is connected to a whole way of seeing yourself, the Lord, and this Lenten season. And I'm excited to be able to like tease out and, and unfold or break open the way in which the prayers we pray this Lent are deeply connected to how we see Lent, how we see ourselves, and how we see God. So there's my introduction. Tell nice me about job, tell yeah. me about your prayer. <laughs> well, I have a couple. So like you said, or I have like five thousand. Um there's a podcast that my daughter shared with us and it was really good. It was by a guy, a pastor named um, Dan Moeller, Dr. Dan Moeller. And I think he's popular in the evangelical, maybe prosperity circles. Very much, if you believe it, if you have faith, if you have confidence in Christ, then anything is attainable or, or living in the supernatural, above the flesh, above the world. You can you know, have incredible victory in Christ type mentality, which actually I found really refreshing because being in the... Books that I'm reading, <laughs> there's a contrast. Go ahead, Tom. It's very American, but go ahead. <laughs> What's wrong with American? Yeah, you'll find out in a minute. Just read the prayer, and then we'll then we'll tease it open, and we'll find out. Uh, well, the good thing is he gave a great talk or a teaching on fasting, and he was sharing testimonial how he fasts like 30 days, 40 days, without anything but water, and just this real sense of strength that Christ can be victorious in us, and he wants to set us free in these different ways and different areas. So... I find that very motivating as we begin Lent, where I can barely, you know, not eat meat on Wednesday or not have dessert or whatever it is. It just sounds like we're a little bit weaker. But here's a prayer that he prays. Should I pray it in his tone? Yeah, I don't know if I can. Imitate it without being uh, mimicking. Oh, okay. Like, in other words, just try to use pray the like same spirit. Pray it like it was spirit. me. Got pray, it. Yeah, pray it like you mean it. It's kind of long, but okay. Just listen to his trust, confidence in the Lord over our own flesh, I guess is the way to say it. Father... I just yield to you and thank you that you've made me to be spirit and you've made me to have authority and to walk in the kingdom of God and to walk in the glory of God. Thank you. I'm not a limited man. I'm not a selfish man. I'm not a self-conscious man. I'm thankful that anger and frustration and jealousy and wrath and all those things have no place in my life. I surrender and submit myself to you. Father, I just renounce any weakness, anything lethargic, everything and anything undisciplined, anything unyielded. I just give myself to you, and I thank you. I am a man of the Spirit, and I humbly bow before you, and I yield to you and renounce the things of the flesh. And I just thank you and honor you as Almighty God. The Spirit of God in me rules, and the Spirit of God in me reigns. You're the one that has raised me literally from the dead, the giver and lifter of my head. God, I'm a man of the Spirit and filled with the Holy Ghost. Father, I, th- I think in agreement with your mind and your heart burns with inside me. Father, I yield myself to you and I thank you that the things of the Spirit are what moves my life. I'm a man of the Spirit and my soul agrees and my flesh says, yes, sir, We are in agreement, and my spirit is willing, and my flesh is strong. My flesh is not a distraction. We are one, and we are running together to fulfill the will of God. 
and we will finish this course. I will see your glory and move in your power, and I will not be limited or restricted. My life is in you, and surely you are in me. So this is a prayer he prayed during the talk, and I thought, wow, that's really striking. I've never prayed for my flesh to be victorious and say, yes, sir. And and just the confidence in um, intimacy of the prayer, the confidence of the prayer, his willingness or ability to say, I'm going to win in Christ and run forward in Christ. I mean, it made him sound really strong. <laughs> I don't know how God, strong God is in him, but just from his testimony, it's like, okay, I can see how people would follow this pastor because this is not how I would just like, I can read any Catholic prayer in this book and go, <laughs> there's nothing in these prayers that are similar. And so it's odd to find two different spiritualities, but yet we're all in the same, we're all trying to in, in the same goal. We have the same goal in mind. Yeah, so I... I heard him pray the prayer. I don't know if you prayed the had me hear the whole thing, but a lot of it. And then you're reading it now. Uh, I immediately jumped to some different things that that uh, were were at least plain to me. The first was is how he sees the spiritual life, and there's I would say there's a healthy way that that connects to the Catholic faith in in our tradition, but there's also a potential that it's actually less connected to this theme that I'm going to bring up than to a more American concept that is more connected, believe it or not, to Mormonism and this whole movement of intentionality, being intentional, um, which is you create your own future. You know, so it's, it's you're the agent of your own creation, right? Um, the best way to envision the future is to create it. Yeah, well, and I think it's in your mind. In your mind. In if your you, if you, and If you... Think it in your mind, it becomes real in the world. What's wrong with that? I love that. <laughs> <laughs> I want to do that. I don't want to think you're weak, you're, you're lame. Well, what <laughs> it, so the you're funny limited, thing is that because fragile. we're made in the image of God, we have a capacity that is imaging God's creative ability, but it is actually displacing God because, as you know, a Mormon theology envisions you as being the creator. And so there's a way in which it is... It's fundamentally flawed in that it is putting way too much uh, emphasis on ourselves as saying, if I change my thinking, I'm going to change my reality. Okay. Uh, The potential that this has to connect to a healthy tradition is that when you think about how growth happens in the spiritual life, there's there's a twofold way. One is by uh, advancement. I am better than I was yesterday. I know I'm not at the ideal yet, but I'm I'm not any longer where I was. So it's a journey of spiritual growth and advancement, right? The complement to that is called the proleptic path, which is prolepsis is I am in the ideal state right now, but it's not fully made manifest in me yet. And so I am holy but there's still the path of purification that needs to happen so that I am actually becoming more fully who I already am, ideally. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So how does that apply here? He speaks a lot of ideal statements as if they're real. I am not selfish. I am not of the flesh. I am of the spirit. And inside of him, there should be an authentic echo that says, I am not a man of the flesh. Yes, I am. 
I am not a. I am not selfish. Actually, I am. So well, he is renouncing weakness or lethargy or passivity or. He did at one moment use the word renouncing. Okay, and that's different than saying. That's different than him stating. You can look there, and he uses. I was like, I I stopped counting the number of times (laughs) he would make statements that were ideal, saying, "I am this. I am this. I am not this." And every time he said that, I was saying, yeah, I hear it, but there's something inside of me that says, no, I am. Well, and he'll say in his talk, he goes, a lot of you have just heard me pray. You've never even had the confidence to pray like I just prayed. You've not entered into the spirit realm that I'm in to be able to pray and believe. So it's almost if he just prays it and believes it, then it is. Then it becomes real. And that's not the way it works. Darn. So yeah, sorry. <laughs> that could just... and, and that's where the prolepsic <laughs> the proleptic part is more about having a spiritual insight, not this idea that somehow you're living in the realm of the spirit and the only thing that's keeping you in the flesh is that you're hold you're held back by your beliefs. No, that's not the case. Okay. It's it's that um praying in those ideal ways does have a spiritual power to say, I'm going to allow those words permeate my life and they're going to begin to reveal places in my life that are not like that. And so as I pray in saying, this is my authentic, deepest, real self, but there's so many parts of me that are not there, that's where I need to grow. But it's not that I'm, it's not that I'm becoming who I'm not, it's that I'm becoming who I am. It's I'm becoming who I already am in an ideal state. Where's that ideal state? In the mind of God. Okay. So this is where Christ comes in. I don't know who I really am until I encounter Christ. And then Christ reveals me who I really am. And then I realize I'm not being authentic to who I really am. Now I want to conform my life to who I really am, the one who I am in Christ. You see, that's different. So uh, so there is a way in which it, it, it should resonate with a Catholic spirituality. But there's a way in which it's like, oh, that has like five ways of being misunderstood and actually going down a wrong path than the one way to say you can stay on the train and say, wow, that's a beautiful, powerful prayer. And I could say yes to that. Uh, Because I could read a prayer from St. Francis de Sales, his prayer of resolution. And so it's what you resolve to do. And you read it and it's full of ideal statements that it's like, man, that's a powerful one. Mary Grace, I I pointed her to it because she's reading it. And it's like, oh my goodness, it blew me away because there's such a distance between that prayer statement and my actual reality. But guess what's going to help me get to, to move forward towards that reality? Praying in that ideal statement. Yeah. You know, I was, uh, I don't know who I was listening to, but, um, they just said they were taking time to counter thoughts with scripture. And I thought, oh, I should do this during Lent because <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts that I need to counter with scripture. And as simple as making meals for my children lovingly in the morning, noon, and night. So I came with this. about your husband? Uh, no, not yet. Oh, darn The it. Lord will have to reveal that to me next week. I was hungry and you gave me to eat and I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. And this just sounds so simple or so silly. Like I have to pray to feed my kids or to find strength in giving them something to drink. But there is this way in which I suffer through self-giving. And I know that, you know, they say learning how to suffer well is learning to grow in love. And I know I just don't suffer well. <laughs> and I know I'd have so much growth to make in love. And I can say, well, I've been feeding all 11 people every night and getting them breakfast. And well, now that we ban cereal 
for Lent. No Cheerios. Sorry, kids. I have to actually make breakfast. So I've just added more suffering to my own plate, literally. Um, but Well, okay. So there's a paradox here. And this is something that you can't reconcile, right? A paradox oh, thanks, means... because I feel like I'm losing. No, no, no. A paradox means what? That there are two, two truths, truths that you need to uphold at the same time. They appear to be contradictory, but they're not. But you won't understand one without the other. Right. So that... So suffering is one. So do you suffer ever when you serve us? I don't feel like you suffer or complain. I'm sorry, There's but a difference I'm like suffering grrr. and complaining about suffering. Okay, okay, uh, <laughs> maybe I do both. Yeah, but no, I don't me, feel like you um, suffer when you have to clean the garage or work really hard to do the work you do to provide an income for us, or get up early and make me coffee. I don't. I think. I don't know if you're just more mature in your love and you grow, you've you grown in love more than I. Okay, so you just said the word is love, right? And so what's love? Love ultimately is self-donation. Self-donation is that I'm not just going to give you a little bit of my time or energy or focus or attention. I'm going to give you myself. And they say self-giving, same thing. Self-giving, self-donation, the donut is to give as a gift. So you're doing it freely, no expectation of a return. You're doing it in a way that says, I'm doing this to confirm or celebrate or affirm you because of a need you have or because of who you are, right? So that's all beautiful philosophy. But it's self-giving to the point of self-sacrifice. So there's that sense that says, in giving of myself to you, getting up early, making the coffee, cleaning up, doing whatever. It's, well, I'm doing this because of love. It's love is the motive. It's moving me. And if so, if it also happens to involve a d diminishment of myself, there's an emptying of myself and no one likes to die to themselves. Well, guess what? There's also a joy involved. And so the joy is I'm achieving the goal of our relationship. Yes. So if I achieve the goal of our relationship, there's the experience of overflow. That's what joy is. Joy is there's a sense of I I, I can't contain the sense of fullness that comes when I've attained an authentic purpose. But the way to attain that authentic purpose that fills me to overflowing is the experience of emptying myself. Now wait a minute. Is serving you in a way that involves suffering going to empty me or lead me to fullness that overflows? Yes, there's the paradox. So am I suffering or am I experiencing joy? Yes. And that's just so hard to attain, I think. Easy, not even easily. It's just not part of our American culture. No, because it is not. You are to protect yourself from, you know, don't let people take advantage of you. And you've got to fight for number one. And you've got to look out for yourself. Well, who else is going to do that? And all of those kinds of things. And there's just a... And then there's just the flesh. The flesh, which says, I'm, uh, I am selfish. I have the need that I want to get filled. And I'm self-centered. I want my world to be yeah. ordered around me. And I know we talk about this. This is my, my cross. Um, I think this is such contrast to um, Volodymyr Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, and how he's saying, I'm staying, I'm fighting, I'm going to give my life for my country. I'm going to suffer. I possibly could be um, tortured, but I'm doing this. It's so heroic and so um, inspiring. Yeah, it's manly. It's uh, it, my office requires this of me. I will not flee my duty, even if it costs me my life. 
And so there, you can see how radiant that is. It's so attractive. It's beautifully radiant. All right, we're up against a break. Back in a minute with more Sound Insight. Welcome back to Sound Insight. It's great to be with you today. So Carrie and I are just sharing about just a number of things. And, and there is kind of like a heroic thing connected to entering Lent well and fully. Because the Lord is going to lead us in a way that says, you know what, this is my ideal for you, but I want it to become real in you, right? And there's the paradox of, I'm going to have you suffer through self-emptying, but somehow self-emptying is going to be fulfilling. That's it's a paradox. Both of these things are true at the same time. You won't be fulfilled unless you're emptied, but boy, being empty doesn't feel like it's being fulfilled. Well, that actually brings us around, Carrie, to... Yeah, another prayer that you had, a prayer that is from more of a Catholic source and a traditional one, that I think when listeners hear it, it's going to say, oh, yeah, 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 that, that's more like my typical Lenten prayer. Well, it's a blessing for the keeping of Lent. Oh, okay, let's, let's hear what a blessing sounds like. <laughs> but it doesn't sound like a blessing when I read it. So it's a little confusing, but I found it to be a good... A synopsis of what Lent could be. Mm-hmm. Could be. Nice. During Lent, we want to give up anything that smacks of the common mentality, all our negativity and fatalism, anything that stalls our spiritual growth, that discourages or misleads us, or that makes us lose heart when it comes to our relationship with God. So many misconceptions and erroneous notions lead us astray and deprive us of hope. In particular, we need to have a right understanding of the role that our limitations, our fragility, and even our failings play in our sanctification according to divine providence. This Lent we offer up to the Lord all our pessimism and self-doubt and self-defeat. The resurrected Christ rises out of our nothingness. And that is it. Boy, isn't that a happy blessing? No, that just sounds like I say. <laughs> the risen Christ when, rises out of our nothingness. <laughs> Welcome to the world. All our pessimism, limitations, fragility, self-doubt, self-defeat. So you can contrast this with the prayer I read earlier, right. where it's victory and yep. proven... Um, this confidence. Well, Carrie, it's um, it's Second Corinthians chapter twelve. It's Saint Paul saying, you know, so that I would not become proud. The uh, the angel of the Lord came, uh, or, or um, Satan was uh, permitted to come and uh, and give me the thorn in the side, right, uh, to beat me. And uh, I, what was my prayer, Lord? You know, if if it. Uh, you know, if it be your will, just take this away from me. And what did he say? My, uh, my, um, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in powerlessness. And so, do you want to be powerful or do you want to be powerless? Yes. Well, there it is. And isn't that what Lent is in a certain way all about? It's getting brought to our knees with regards to the need to die to self and experience our own weakness. And that is going to be the cleansing doorway to diminish the attachments that leave us weak so that his strength can come. 
So Carrie, I think about this, like we saw this at dinner tonight when we did a check-in. I, I first of all have to humbly admit that I failed in day one of my leading a conversation at dinner. And that was something I had said I would commit to. Did you share with your listeners what you're doing for Lent? Uh, I said that one of the things I was doing, I didn't share everything. Did but, you share with me? Um, I don't remember. I don't even know. I, we, you know what? You weren't here. You haven't been around much in the last two weeks, Carrie. You, let's see, Arizona, skiing, and then Oregon. So we, we haven't connected a lot. Um, so I, I, we, we did it as a family um, when you were gone in Oregon. Oh, that's we right. We had the family meeting and talked about Lenten, what, what, what we were going to do for Lent. But um, one of the things that you and I talked about was let's do a better job at dinner. I remember I, I shared my conviction that I was failing as a father because I wasn't taking advantage of the gift of dinner time. But can I just say this? I, and I don't know if I said this to you. You do a better job and our kids receive your words better at prayer time. So I think that some people do dinner time, but I also have mentioned that doing an evening of rosary or gathering for evening prayer there is a way in which our kids put that off as long as they can and want to have conversations and want to talk. And there's an openness to their heart at that moment. And I think that's when you do address them with more um, teaching or instruction or encouragement or uh, insight. Well, we'll find out because it's uh, about 8 o'clock at night on Thursday here. And after we're done, we're going to go do family prayer. And the kids negotiated out of me. Uh-oh. That family prayer in Lent is um, we're going to read scriptures together and reflect on scripture. That they their their case was that they would get more out of that than praying a, a family rosary. You know, I'm reading. I'm doing the consecration to Saint Joseph, and when I think about the rosary and just the many parts of scripture that I don't quite connect to the rosary because i know that those different mysteries are related to scripture it has been so helpful to read about the life of saint joseph really because because of the joyful mysteries it brings you into who he saw uh mary and jesus to be so there's just many ways in which the different stories and the different um relationships that previous saints had with him are shared. And so there's just the sharing of, oh, I know St. Joseph. He was this to me. Oh, I know St. Joseph. It's like talking about your friend down the street and you're reminiscing about him. It's different to do a consecration to St. Joseph than to Mary for sure. And I've never done a consecration to any saint before except Mary. But I kind of always knew the different titles of Mary and it was just so much more familiar. This is so different because there's not a lot of scripture that tells you about him, but what they are able to draw from the scripture and the tradition of people back in the you know third 300, 400 century, and saints forward, and some of the visions they've had of him and encounters they've had with him, and some of the miracles that they attribute to him later on in life, it's really like, oh, there's actually, there's actually more to know about St. Joseph than I ever thought. So it's kind of cool. It's more like a historical um, spiritual reading than... I don't know, it's really interesting. I never thought I'd like the book this much. And it replaces watching like Netflix or I don't have Netflix, but a 
a TV show, like Amazon Prime show, just taking time to, because you have to reflect on it and read it slowly. It's not something I just like 10 minutes, I'm done. Some of it goes on and on. <laughs> it's like, oh, this is going to take, this is a little work. <laughs> but just to say, it's helped me appreciate Mary more, appreciate Jesus more and the Holy Family way more than I would have or I have appreciated them. And I think just all of that relates to the joyful mysteries and some of it to the um, the sorrowful. So, um, Carrie, I hear that, and it's funny. I think, first of all, of a book that I picked up like in a used bookstore somewhere, and it was on, um, it was like, talk about Joseph, believe it or not. And it was all of these different quotes from saints uh, and stories, legends connected to St. Joseph. But the thing about this... It wasn't coordinated, though. It wasn't... There was no commentary. There was no explanation. Oh, okay. It was just sort of categorized and just put out there. It is It is interesting to look at how many saints before us have relationship with other saints and to get a window into that. When you hear about just the many saints who honor and admire and pray to each other, it's just like, oh, this is so weird. I don't know. It, it's never struck me like that because I think for this is just a different whole, I don't know. How is it different? It's something about it's just different and it's new. It's neat. Are you talking about like, for instance, um, St. Francis and St. Dominic or St. Bonaventure and St. Thomas Aquinas taught at the same school and what it would have been like that they were together, like having conversations? Or do you mean... Padre Pio had an intense love of the Blessed Mother and of the Rosary. How about a saint who had a, a devotion to another saint? Is that a thing? How does that, like, you mean like an apparition well, of the Blessed Mother who said, hey, let me bring in Joseph because I'm devoted to him? What do you <laughs> no, mean? Like, I'm trying to figure out what all you these, mean. In the book, like, I wish I was smarter. In the book, there are several saints that yeah, talk that, about St. Joseph. That would be like Padre Joseph. Pio who had a great love of the Blessed Mother. Well, Mary's different. Yeah, Mary has her she, own yeah. category. She's like <laughs> very different. So this is a first oh, yeah. saint so, on saint oh. instead of saint on the Queen of Heaven, okay. even though Mary is a right, saint. Right, right, right. Okay, so yeah, I know I one. I don't know. St. Saint John Vianney. Yes. He's the curie of ours. When was he alive? Uh, he, late 1700s, 1800s, okay. early 1800s. Um, he was, he had an intense devotion to St. Philomena. And when was she alive? Oh, she was almost, it was more of almost a, like, legendary saint uh, hundreds of years earlier. But like see, an early, that's just saint early on saint church. is weird. Yeah. I mean, it's cool, but it's just different. I don't different. see it that way. I, I see what you're saying. It would, It's foreign. Yeah, It's foreign. Yeah, that makes sense. All right. Well, interesting. Back in a minute. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. Carrie, that's an interesting point. I'm pondering it. I'm trying to think of... Who do I know? Like, what saints do I know that would reference other saints with a sense of devotion? Like, I think, for instance, St. Thomas Aquinas in the Summa Theologica is constantly quoting St. Augustine and St. Gregory the Great, just as a for instance. But more but, the theology. Yeah, like they're te- teaching more than their person. Okay. So I'm trying to think of uh, a saint that had an adulation for, a, a devotion and reverence for, not not Jesus or not the Blessed Mother, but someone else, right? Well, they have... I think St. Philomena, that's the best case I can, th- that's the best example I can think of. But you know what? There's this, um, I've at least read that um, there's a way in which St. 
John Vianney wanted to not draw attention to himself. So it's like, oh, all these miracles happened. Oh, it's St. Philomena. I was asking for her intercession. <laughs> so it's sort of like distract everybody away from him. So how much is that true, that the Lord was saying, I wanted to raise up St. Philomena to, in the eyes of the church as this sweet soul that I intend to use to communicate healing versus St. John Vianney so amazingly humble that he did a beautiful job of distracting folks away from him or diverting people away from him. You're right in that the book is very well laid out and organized, and you go back and forth, and it gives you assigned prayers or assigned readings. And so it is systematic in a certain way. It's Oh, yeah. It's clear, and it's orderly. Now, I told you, I, I interviewed Father Calloway about this book. I think when you it told first, me. Before it even came out in printed version. There was only like a digital version, and I got a copy of it. And I went through it very quickly and then interviewed him. And I was like, you should do this consecration on Facebook Live. You should just do it. Oh, like every night you get a, every a ding message, join me. We're join me. Do I'm doing the next one. Mm-hmm. And I said, I would do it with him and use I Love My Catholic Faith on Facebook. That is a really, really big thing. But we couldn't find a time that worked for the two of us. So he went ahead and did it on his page. And it just blew up. Oh, wow. Yeah. Isn't that cool? That's so, really good I for get him. a little extra credit. Yeah. No, the, the, I think that's so great. And then just an encouragement to him who spent these years and took the courage to write the book and sought this whole process. Well, he writes the book, and what does the Pope do? We should have a year of St. Joseph. He did write to the Pope and say, hey, we've not had a year of St. Joseph. Maybe you should consider it. You know, I... Before I the I book came that. out. Yeah? I'm not sure if... Okay. Well, just make it up. Make listen it up. to him. And then no, the I heard Pope it, wrote him. back and said, thank you. You were an angel sent from God. I am now having a year of Joseph. <laughs> Why didn't I think of that? Mm-hmm. He said that on uh, Pints of Aquinas a couple weeks back. Oh, wow. Okay. He just was laughing at the timing of it all. Yeah. But his letter probably helped a little. Well, and it's it's one of these things where I know that there are some Catholics listening who are like, what in the world is a consecration to St. Joseph? Well, I didn't know you consecrate yourself to anybody but Jesus and then Mary. That was the only... So, all right, I don't want to like, I don't want to put you on the spot. I okay. do this to Father Nagel and Father Lewis uh, regularly, but what does it mean to consecrate yourself to? To... Hmm. Let me hold on. Let me go look in the book. Yeah, okay. I'm going to go back to page one. No, I know. And that's the thing. It's that because that word, it, it carries a lot of weight in Catholic theology. Because what's consecration? Uh, to be honest, I don't know what it means. <laughs> yeah. So that's It just funny, sounds right? like, what am I doing? It I don't know what I'm like, doing here. Why am I reading about why, this saint? And why is St. <laughs> Joseph involved? Right? Why is St. Joseph involved? I agree. Okay. I should know this. I just. Let me explain. Let's see. No, let me sum up. Um, that's from the Princess Bride. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Um, Let's see. I lost my beautiful point because of the what Princess What does consecration? Oh, consecration. Well, obviously, when you think of consecration, you think of the Mass. Bread and wine go up. Oh, okay. They're consecrated, and all of a sudden, they are transformed into the body and blood, soul, and divinity So before they're transformed, what is it? Well, just bread and wine. But when it's consecrated? When it's consecrated, it becomes the true and real presence of Jesus, body, blood, soul, and divinity. That's, that, it's, that's the meaning liturgically in the Mass of consecration. Right, but there. If you tease out the meaning of the word consecration, am I gonna get some Latin here, some Greek? <clears throat> all, right, I'll, all right, I'm gonna summarize. <laughs> I'm not gonna go too far down the path. Think of the word to set apart. Think of the word dedicate. Think of the word um, 
uh, a sense of intentional devotion, uh, a sense of care and solicitude. So, oh, I like those two. You like those? Yes, care okay. and solicitude. Yeah. So, uh, sincere and serious concern, right? Mm. So, when we say there's a sense of consecration to Saint Joseph, there's this sense of I'm entrusting myself to your patronage, and I will express the um, fervor, the devotion, the expression of that dedication through a certain action. Now, it could be, for instance, when we did the uh, consecration of our home to the Sacred Heart and the Immaculate Heart, we did the enthronement. And so we have holy images, and there was blessing and a ritual. And so we do our prayer time in that room. And so we have a place of honor for the Sacred Heart and the Immaculate Heart. And we express that through a daily rosary, through images and statues and holy medals of the Blessed Mother, right? So there are various ways that we express a sense of we are dedicated to you. We are devoted to you. We are entrusting ourselves to you. And and we really do that because somehow we've been inspired by the Lord to entrust ourselves to him ultimately through the hands of these great saints that you have raised up in history. Well, it does feel, Tom, like I'm getting to know a brother in the Lord, even though he has way more honor than that. It has a sense that he is a one that's gone before me, and I I have a relationship with him. It's so weird. Oh, I love that. And I say it's so weird. I really mean it. It's just like, this is so cool, but it's so not what I was expecting as I was reading this book. Uh, you know what? I'm I'm getting chills in a little sense because um, it, it's a little surprising to me to hear you say that because for how long have I said to you, you know, I feel like these saints know me and I know them. Yes. And I know you've said that to me and I've no, I don't think I've known it. I've never actually studied the life of a saint like this book does. I mean, it really is laid out. It makes it really easy. Uh, well, <laughs> So, so here's the thing. To... So when we talk about the the communion of the saints, it's the communion that we experience here on earth. It's the communion of saints that are in heaven, but it's the communion that exists between all of us on earth and heaven and in purgatory. And that union comes to expression. And so one of the beautiful gifts that the Father loves to give, he loves to lavish good gifts on the church, and that would be how about little glimpses, little senses of intimacy or connection between those saints in heaven in us who are on earth. So we natu- we have that natural sense of connection with our loved ones who've gone before us. We mm-hmm. sense that, oh, they're with us and watching over us and loving us. But then to say, you know what? St. Saint- Joseph loves you, Carrie. St. Joseph knows you. St. Joseph. <laughs> yeah, the-, the foster father of Jesus, the one who, the husband of Mary, he actually knows Carrie. And he's looking down on you with a love that the Father has said, I want you to love my daughter, Carrie. Are you thinking that all the saints in heaven look down and know all of us? No, yeah. Yes, and. It's the, here's the paradox. Yes, and there is a sense of a special calling to a deeper experience of nearness and connection. 
And I mean, you do know that there are a lot of saints who have visions and encounter saints that have gone before them ah. in re- in our church history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they are con- there is a connectivity, right? Absolutely, yes. So I uh, I say this every every year on Sound Inside. I say this at some point when I'm talking about great you know saints All in saints heaven day. on Saints Days or whatever. <laughs> is that hey, who's the saint that the Lord wants you to get to know better? Who's the saint that the Lord is saying I invite you? to a deeper sense of personal relationship with St. Paul, right? So there are certain saints that I have a sense of, they actually know me, and I know them. Hmm. And I can be praying, and I have a sense of, that saint is, is praying with me right now, or praying for me right now. It, it, it's, it's not just fanciful and romantic idea or a hyper-devotionalism. Mm-hmm. No, there's this spiritual sense now, people can say I'm crazy or it's wrong or whatever, but in my 35 years of walking this faith and having a sense of devotion to the saints and lovingly trusting myself and you and our marriage and our family and each of our members and all these other things into their hands, I want to say that the Lord lovingly, mercifully has given me glimpses of the fact that we are known by them and that they're loving us. So for me, I, I just smile beautifully that the Lord is giving you his, your form of that gift. I'm way behind. It, it takes me a long, <laughs> long while to figure things out. Hey, you're drawn into that. I, I, I've missed out. You invited me into it a couple of times, and I, for, for whatever reason. The funny thing is I lost the book for three days, and I had to pay, pray to St. Anthony to help <gasps> me find St. Joseph. That's about that's the funny. extreme of my devotion. That, that is that St. Anthony, is, help me find St. Joseph. Cool. I can't find the book. Blessed Mother, I can't think of what to do. Oh, ask St. Anthony. Oh, great. St. Anthony, where's St. Joseph? Oh, there it is. Yes. All right, Carrie, we're at the end of the program. Thank you so much for being with me. Hey, God bless you all. Join me on Monday for more Sound Insight. God bless your Lent. <laughs>